We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You knew it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! How good you guys! And welcome back to another episode of the Bearcast, the Golden Blogs podcast. Uh, we are back here. After somewhat of a somber day, um, I mean, well, not only the Cal game last night, which left me and Andy in, like, shambles. We were in emotional wrecks. Um, of I just course, went home. Yeah, of course, the people <laughs> who saw us at halftime, they're like, oh, they're they're fine. And then they we told them that we would do a post-game show, and then we, we couldn't. We couldn't. Not after that type of loss. They even said it in the halftime. <laughs> Let us not be back here yeah. after blowing this 14-point lead in... Showing us in tears. <laughs> and look what happened. Should have known, man. No. We should've shouldn't have known. said it. We shouldn't have, right? We should have known. It's, yeah. This is like part of the job. <laughs> Your 14-point lead with them getting the ball isn't anything with Cal football. Let's be honest. Yes. But another somber news. Um, Jose Fernandez, uh, the NL Rookie of the Year, I believe in 2013, if I remember correctly. Um, also, he was a two-time All-Star, I believe, and uh, probably one of the best up-and-coming pitchers in the majors. Just one of the best pitchers in the majors I, in general. I think I think top five in the NL, in my opinion. I think he might win the Cy Young. Yeah, yeah, with the stats he put up this year. Yeah, yeah. And um, but sadly, uh, he passed away in a boating accident. Uh, I believe it was late last night. Uh, the Coast Guard found a boat overturned, three bodies inside. Um, the boat was also like half submerged, so I didn't get to read the full. Uh, they had a like a press conference earlier this morning, but I didn't get to watch it or anything like that. So I just know that the little details I picked up over Twitter that people little little clips that they put up. But that seems about it. I don't know what they're how they're going to look into this, like what happened. Um, but he does have a girlfriend who's pregnant. Um, that he just put up pictures like a couple, I think weeks ago or like a month ago. That he just started to put those po- uh, pictures up. Um, so our thoughts and thoughts go out to anyone in that organization, and it's it's never fun to see you know athletes so young. Yeah, so young, twenty four. Um, and so like doesn't matter. I mean, he has a lot of talent, but just I feel for that family. Person. Yeah, I mean, there was a picture of um, 
they put his hat and jersey, they engraved his jersey number into the pitcher's mound this morning. And there's a picture of D. Gordon, um, apparently who was a very good friend of Jose, was standing on the mound and he, like he just had his head down. It was from behind. Um, it, I mean, judging from how he was standing, it looked like he was just just standing there, basically just mourning his loss. Um, and yeah, that's it's never fun. Um, and then also, um, <clears throat> Arnold Palmer. Uh, passed away at the age of 73 today tonight actually oh um, i think he's 87 oh 87 sorry 87 yeah. uh just a literally a matter of hours before we started recording um it just started the news started to appear we got the espn notifications and stuff so again once our hearts and thoughts got to those uh the family um he's he's One a of, legend yeah <laughs> like <laughs> it's there's no other way to say it seven time major yep. champion mm-hmm um, one of, you know, I grew up, I, when I grew up, I grew up, I mean, I went to high school with a lot of golfers, um, down in Florida and you'd always expect to hear my favorite player was Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods, you know, mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson even, but more often than not, you heard a lot about Arnold Palmer and, um, you know, he had a tr- beyond measurable impact on the game of golf. And beyond too, right? I mean, the the I wasn't really into golf. The first the first way I got to know the name of Arnold Palmer and how good he was was the drink. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Arnold Palmer. Like it's one of my favorite drinks of all time. Um, and so his name is forever etched in history, not just in the golfing community, but you know, just it's a it's a drink. Like it's it's yeah. not even like an alcoholic beverage. It's just something anybody can order in any restaurant, and you know what it is. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It'll live on forever. Yeah, yeah, um, that's awesome. But I'm reading here. It's uh, he's a seven time major and uh, 62 career PGA Tour wins. <laughs> it's incredible. 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 Uh, so yeah, uh, that just wraps up just some of our just world news little portion. Um, but moving on um, to the college football scene, this weekend was, I don't know, like, except for our game, like, in a couple others, like, how would you describe this weekend of college football? This weekend, it would have been a nice weekend win. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like there's any good team beside, outside of Alabama, which we've been saying Ohio consistently. State. Fine. Yeah, Ohio <laughs> State, forget about that. Um, but besides those two, it feels like everything is up for grabs. You know, the, the big names are going down early, and we're not used to it. Maybe Michigan. Throw Michigan into that, like, yeah. Yeah. untouchable Upper range. Upper yeah. Damn it. Well, I mean, <laughs> either either one of Houston and Cle- or Clemson is going to lose this week, this coming week. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, is it Houston? No, I mean, sorry, not Houston. Uh, Louisville. Louisville or Clemson will lose oh, this yeah. week because they play this, this upcoming weekend. So there's, there's consolation in this upcoming week that one of those undefeated are going to drop. Um... But other than that, I mean the the, the surprise of Houston, the University of Houston. I mean uh, Ward, that quarterback is outstanding, um, and of course Lamar Jackson of Louisville, like and Deshaun Stead. Watson of Clemson, like those yeah. guys are. Crazy part was Deshaun Watson had an offer from Cal too. I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he had an offer from us, so which makes sense. <laughs> I mean you're gonna. If you're in a Power 5 conference, like, in their top-tier athlete, unless they say no to you, like, you're at least going to send in an offer letter, right? I think if if he's within, like, the 
the realm of what you want. Like if it's a wideout, then you need wideout or quarterback if you need quarterback. But quarterbacks are you're always going to go. You're always going to try and get a quarterback every year. So, yeah, I mean, the big news, I mean, just going down the list, um, Notre Dame is crumbling. Notre Dame and SC are one in three, folks. Like, both teams. Oh, and Oregon? No? Oregon? Uh, They lost to Nebraska, and they lost to Colorado. They beat UC Davis. They're two and two. They're two and two and 0 and 1 in Pac-12 play. Oh, just like us. (laughs) Um. But yeah, so yeah, ND is crumbling. They lost to Duke at home. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not knocking on Duke, but they're not the perennial football powerhouse. You know, they've made you know a couple of top twenty fives. You know, over the last couple of years, they made a couple of bowl games. Yeah, I remember that Texas A and M against Duke bowl game where Johnny Menzel exploded in the second half with uh, Mike Evans, and they, like all Duke fans thought they might win the game until Johnny Football happened in the second half. <laughs> I think that was his Heisman winning year too. Was like, it was that year, right? So then the next year he played against uh, La Tech. When did he play against Louisiana? I think it's the following year then, yeah. Was it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, regardless, year two is when Spav was there. Yeah. Year one, Spav was not there. So, yeah. Um, that's, oh, God. <laughs> if, you're an, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I heard a, a friend of a friend. So a friend told me he said his Notre Dame buddy who goes to Notre Dame right now Sold his season tickets like as soon as um, they lost to uh, what was that big loss a couple days like a week or two ago against Notre Dame in Notre Dame in South Bend. Oh Lord, was it Stanford? SC, somewhat one of those first losses, right, to start off the season, and he immediately said our season's over and sold all his tickets, <laughs> just just like that. Looks like a good choice. Smart guy. Yeah, he's a very smart guy. Uh, moving on from that one, uh, Wisconsin upset Michigan State. That was a pretty big one. Um, Ole Miss destroyed Georgia. I mean, I watched that game because it was the first game in the morning. Chad Kelly is one heck of a quarterback. And then Georgia, like they had easily, he was a true freshman quarterback. And then Nick Chubb and... The, the the drive that I watched before I turned it off was easily through, I think, about four perfect passes. And it hit the receivers in the hands, in the numbers, and they all dropped it. Three of three of the four would have been first downs. And then they got a first down off of, like, a little small, like, a screen pass. But then the last one on fourth down, or I think it was third down, uh, it, it should have been a touchdown. Like, that guy was untouched, and he just he dropped it. Think they missed D Rob at all? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, probably, probably yeah. a lot. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, Kirby Smart has that team off to three and one start, so they'll. I think they'll still be ranked. I think they still are ranked. Um, and then ugh, Tennessee finally beats Florida, in I believe eleven years. I think thirteen. Thirteen years. <laughs> oh, oh, is that close to? That's close to us beating SC, I believe, right? Yeah, it's been since like 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This year's the year. <laughs> this year's the this year. It's going to be a year. Yeah, this unless you believe year. what Avi says. What, that they're going to ride the ship right before us? <laughs> no, <laughs> like they do every happen. year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to end the streak at SC would be very awesome, but very improbable. No. We never play well down there except for that one time where Aaron Rodgers nearly completed every single pass. And then yeah. we stalled at the 18 or whatever. 
I don't I, I don't know how to feel about it. Like it's like I'm I'm looking at all three like SC, LA, uh, and Oregon and going. We have a shot. Like they're not that great this year. Oh, we're gonna beat UCLA. Oh, we're gonna beat UCLA. Yeah. Okay, we're beating UCLA. We're beating UCLA at home. Okay. We always play them well at home. Jim Moore has a terrible coach. Yeah. I'm gonna to, and it's the last game of the season. Can you imagine like Davis Webb just exploding? And we'll talk about Davis Webb in a little bit. But um, yes. <laughs> UCLA can't even put up points. Rosen's like Rosen looks super. They just needed mortal. We'll talk about the Stanford UCLA game in a little bit, but they just needed one more touchdown or like even a, a even a field goal. Like that's all they needed. And then they had, oh god, they had the game-winning drive, which we watched after the Cal game was over or uh, close to being over. Oh god, okay. <laughs> and then Auburn beats number eighteen LSU, which meant that um, Gus Malzahn is still the coach at Auburn, and Les Miles is no longer the coach at Auburn. So can we talk about that for a little bit? Everyone's been hollering on Twitter. I'm, I'm okay. I won't say everyone, but a lot of people have been putting up, you know, hired less. Or like, let's go get the less cow miles. people. Yes, I've seen. Oh, really? Yes, I've seen. I've seen tweets. I didn't know today. that it left the blogosphere and went into the land of the into Twitter land in the Twitter realm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is in Twitter realm. Like it is, it is, it is like a contagion. Like it is, it is spreading fast. Can we talk about the end of that game though? The the LSU Auburn game. Yes, yeah. yes. I I don't know how else to describe it. Is it's just this? It's just stupid. Shocking. <laughs> you they? I mean. That was what my friend texted me after the Arizona State game. Mm-hmm. So he was like, hey, sorry, just saw the score. And I was like, yep, the life of a Cal fan. <laughs> and he was like, well, it's better than being an LSU fan or you know, Notre Dame fan. And I was like, yeah, you got me on those two. But like the LSU won for real <laughs> to feel like, to, I mean, to, to celebrate on the field, a win, and have the player go to review and find out that you snap the ball with no time remaining on the clock and you lose is shocking <laughs> and devastating. And I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, honestly, I have no faith that this is going to work out for LSU. And here's why. In the day and age of mass colleges everywhere and traditional education not necessarily being as effective right so if we flash back 40 years to where education was i come out of high school i go to college and i'm going to get myself into the middle class college is no longer a guarantee for a middle class particularly not at an educational institution like lsu that has many many students and so, it is a state school just like ours. Like it's it a is, state school, but yeah. it's massive, it's right? Huge. It's like the Ohio State is what, like 60? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So the undergraduate student population is so much higher. The standards are so much lower. The degree doesn't mean as much. So now in a date, what I will say, they have the money to go out and hire the coach, which we do not. But what they don't have is the same academic focus that we've seen in recruits over the years and why they keep choosing Cal. So I just wonder if you remove someone who's been there for a mainstay, LSU less miles, LSU less miles. The Mad Hatter. Like it's it's just in Baton Rouge. Like it's just that's that's just how we've known LSU. Even through the floods and through Katrina, he's been a mainstay there. And a figure in the community. Huge figure in the community. To remove that at a time in which the dynamic has shifted We've seen it with SC, and they not in the same way, but their ability to return to prominence has been a lot harder than you might imagine because they might have had the opinion that they were a premier program, um, and they'd be able, be able to go out and get a premier coach. 
that would write the ship and all that premier coach happened to like to drink a lot and he lost his job now they're on their second replacement and looks like he's on the very hot seat um so i wouldn't be surprised if we start to see somewhat of a similar cycle i don't think you can just cycle co- even florida is a good example yeah like there's plenty of these teams that have this idea of oh i can just get this coach out of here and what do you have Two losses, yeah. I mean, against Wisconsin and Auburn, and one that you th- won if it was much. a second difference. So they have something else going on there where they wanted him out, and I think it's a little bit naive on the university's part to believe that they can pull somebody in there that can achieve a higher standard of excellence than what they had with Les Miles. Right. I mean, the, our our athletic program alone is case in point of. Right, that that shift of culture that you try to make, right? We we went from Tedford, um, and it's been well documented of you know just the locker rooms, the locker room issues, the the classroom issues, right? And then that flips, and we we fire him because he was starting to decline um, as the head co- had as the head coach of the football team, um, and then we bring in Sonny, hoping that one. He brings us back to prominence, but two, also changes the entire culture of the athletics department, right? At least the football side of it. Um, and then Conzo came in and, and, well, I mean, Montgomery did an amazing job as well. But I think Conzo came in and, and gave it a little bit more of a, a turn as well. Conzo is a better example than Sonny. Yeah. Because Conzo has been able to sustain a level of success that his... Montgomery did. Yeah. Montgomery yeah. did to a point but montgomery failed in the classroom which was shocking to me yeah. well he, he also of, failed in recruiting as well i mean yeah. he, he, he just recruited his guys yeah stayed in his lane yeah um so yeah i don't know what i don't know where you go from here. i mean like you, we talked about florida a little bit i mean the jim McElwain experiment in florida was turning out not bad right um uh, but you know are you ever going to get to the Tebow Urban Meyer years? Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Just, is that, that possible? That's not so much on Florida, um, but they brought in uh, whatever Texas D coordinator Will Muschamp, and he was supposed to be the guy to lead the program. Well, and, Texas wanted to keep him too, right? It was Mac Brown, and everyone kind of expected mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. to retire and the successor to be Will uh, Muschamp, and then all of a sudden he leaves for the Florida job. And what happens to the Florida job? It it that program burned. Like yeah, the only place I saw that do that well, and they still kind of did Bobby Bowden kind of wrong was Florida State. Yeah, um, and I don't think it was you know a very peaceful transition, but they they made it work. I think Michigan's turned it around to a certain degree. I mean, Michigan Lloyd, was that- Lloyd Carr was just yeah. of course you know the the main stalwart guy there, and then he retires, and then it's Rich Rod who first comes in, and that was. It was. It looked good the first year. It looked good, um, and then that did not work out. And then we they got uh, Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke, who we thought I thought might be able to pull off the job, it looked good first year. Yeah, it looked good first year, and then yeah, that tapered off. Couldn't recruit. Gave up. Yeah, put them then, in a terrible position. And then they brought in the best college head coach that was available at the time, which was Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> best you, coach. Let's just not He was the best coach, college or pro, or high school. He was the best one. Yeah, they got him. And they got no. Him. They're a good example of that because uh, they let go of somebody like Lloyd Carr, who believe like bled Michigan football. Really had the the expectation in line for what it meant to be the head coach of Michigan. Then brought in Rich Rod to try and adapt 
similar to what you just said about LSU um, and why their reasoning behind it. They wanted to come into this new era of college football and leave from Les Miles' boring offense. And and what happens? Well, Michigan isn't doesn't pull recruits that can fit a Rich Rod style program. No, and so they have a good first year because he has good schemes, and then there's not the talent continuing to come in that fits the scheme. And all of a sudden, it starts to taper off and taper off. And you bring in some like Brady Hoke. And he looks like a good defensive coach, but not really Michigan-type guy. And then you finally get the Michigan guy in there, and you're starting to see a lot of success. I mean, I always look at the how Michigan's built up their program for basketball or for football. And I go, why is that not possible for us? Like, it, Michigan is not a, a pushover university in terms of academics. Like, they are up there uh, in terms of their academics. And yet, they have an athletics program that flourishes. Like... I mean, the ability to keep your academics up and yet get enough donors and such to fill out the big house, to to have the money to go get a Harbaugh, to have the money to have National Signing Day with Derek Jeter and Tom Brady in attendance, like it, like it's it, I, it's it's sad. It's sad because of that's. That's how good it could be. You want to know why that's never going to happen. Why is that never going to happen? Because it's not five degrees in the middle of winter in San Francisco, (laughs) California. Because on a Saturday in September, you have a 95-degree day or Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Um, And you flip that, and you're in the middle of November and December. In Ann Arbor. And you're freezing. and Nothing else to do. There's only thing for you to do is consume football. And that's what we did when I was in the Midwest. We'd spend all of our Saturdays and Sundays inside bars watching college and then watching pro. Um, and it's very fun, but it's not the culture that we yeah. are surrounded by out here. And I think we'll never compete on that level. I think standard uh, Stanford is the standard for us. Um, but we don't want to be downsizing our stadium, so... You know, <laughs> Stanford is a terrible standard. <laughs> I mean, there's there's different place. There's definitely places, and Duke's trying to do it right now to their credit. Of well, I mean, they've done it. It's just not the football side of it. Right. They've done it year in and year out with their basketball. And that's so. why I think that's why Kwanzaa's what he's doing seems more sustainable over time. Yeah, there's le- it seems like there's a little bit more of a longer leash with basketball, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, one guy can change the program for you for basketball, right? Right. Like if even if we didn't get Jalen last year, Ivan would have changed his program around, right? Him alone would have gotten our program on the map as a top thirty team every year. Um, but football doesn't do that. Like as good as Demetrius is gonna be, like is he gonna change the program and jump us from like non contention to all of a sudden a top ten team like competing? Like no, maybe only a quarterback can you do that. And even then, like Davis Webb is yeah. talented enough, yeah, and he can't. Do it all. And, yeah. and, I mean, like, if you put, like, a Lamar Jackson or a Deshaun Watson on this team, like, let's say we switched them out for Davis Webb, right? Would that put us as a top 10 top ten team? Probably not. Might have beaten San Diego State. Might have beaten San Diego State. Like, we might have gotten might have a couple been, more wins. Might have beaten Arizona Might have beaten Arizona State, too. <laughs> might have been three and one. <laughs> or no, might have been uh, four and oh. Four, no, sorry. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but... There's a lot of other players. Like, if you don't have an O-line, then nobody like that. If you don't have a pass rush, it's over. It's over in the Pac-12. If you don't have a pass rush, you're doomed. You're doomed to lose badly. Um, So, 
Yeah, and I don't know what people are wanting with the higher less miles. Like I realistically even if even if let's say we were one and three, right? And the rumor started this world that we were getting rid of Sonny. Not I'm not saying that's the case, but let's just hypothetically say that it was. Do you do you really think the athletics department has the money to to fire Sonny, pay him the the severance, and then go out and hire less? Maybe they can convince the donors to donate. Like maybe, right? To get some if they're if they're saying, Hey, Les Miles wants to come here, we just need to pay him. Maybe. Maybe. Though. But that's still a maybe. That's not like a guarantee. I think where he's at with what he's doing in the classroom, I don't think the university could be any happier with his output. I'm I don't not, think I so. Don't, no. I don't think that they have a single negative. And I know we do as fans, but I don't think they do. Because they'd be I'm sure they're perfectly content if we go eight in five with a bowl game yeah. in every single year That's and fine. every single kid is graduating or bringing in the right guys. Um, so genuine upper echelon mediocrity is okay. It definitely at think, this stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the shift has been made to academics and mm-hmm. uh, careers taking the place over football and football is a dangerous sport. And yeah. It's going to continue to shift that direction too. Yeah. So there's there's our little tidbit on Les Miles and why. What I'd we, love to have him. I'd love to. I'd love to have him, but yeah, you know. All right, moving on from that, let's let's get to it. Let's get to it. Cal ASU. Cal on the road to Tempe loses to Arizona State, fifty-one to forty-one, two and two on the season. The over under on this game was eighty-two and a half. The score ended up over at ninety-two. We've topped eighty four and eighty two and a half in the last two. We've weeks. we've hit the over on every game. Yeah, um, <laughs> the spread in this game was three and a half to Arizona State. If 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 you take away the pick six, it would have been spot on. Spot on. Vegas knows what they're doing. <laughs> Vegas definitely knows what they're doing. Uh, so let's get into it. I mean, Cal went into halftime with a 24 to 10 lead, uh, but blew that by giving up 31 points in the fourth quarter to Arizona State, which, you know, it's 31, but you take away seven from a onside kick recovery, which they just returned for a touchdown, and then a defensive a defensive touchdown, which was the pick six on the screen pass to Hanson, which we'll talk about in a little bit. You take away um, 17 points, right? Because they got that field. They stopped him on the field goal in the first interception. Yeah. And we missed the field goal to start off the game, too, in the first yeah. quarter. So. Yeah, it's all in the offense, man. Yeah. I don't. I, I know a lot of people were on the on CGB today talking about the defense, and I just don't see it. I, I didn't think see it either. The only play, the only one that I really was, like, disappointed with was when Arizona State opened up the, the second half. And just came right down the field and scored and put it into a one possession game. Uh, was that was that the one where we were both angry where they ran this the Sparky formation where it's Ballage taking the direct snap, and then they did that like three plays in a row, and then the and then they flipped it right at the, the end to the big, yeah to the one of their wide receivers just running a go route on the right side. That was their. That was not that one. The one after the. In my, if my recollection serves me well, which oftentimes it may not, <laughs> I think that the one in the second half was just the a drive downfield where they were using Wilkins much more as a runner. Um, which oh, and was then opening Wilkins the had the one-yard touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think the Ballage one came in the fourth. Yeah. Um, and that was the touchdown to tie. 
and then we had the opportunity, obviously, to take the lead again, and then we threw the interception, something like that, or the Ballard series, and then, yeah. Yeah, it was a 30-yard pass to J.J. Wilson yeah. from Andy Wilkins. Yeah, and that that tied up the game at 34. Okay, yeah, that's right. Hey, look at that. Memory's working. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then they scored a field goal, and then they it was a pick six off the screen, and that was 44-34. <sighs> Um, but, I mean, going through some of the stats, Chan Hansen, 10 receptions, 110 yards, one touchdown. He had, I believe if I remember correctly from what we saw on ESPN, he had nine receptions and 111 yards at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. He had one one reception for negative one yards, uh, like about halfway play. through the third quarter. Yeah. Um, so it all balanced out where he got, it was 10 and 110, but... He still leads. He still leads the league or the country in receptions. I think he's second in yards, um, I believe now, and he is tied for second in touchdowns. How about receptions? Receptions. He's still number one. Okay. Uh, Davis Webb with this game has now overtaken Patrick Mahomes in every statistical category as a quarterback. Wow! Really? Yeah. I checked this morning. Unreal. Yards. Uh, I believe yards. Uh, throwing touchdowns, and I. Don't don't take my word for this, but I believe com- completions. If I remember reading this correctly, I know yards and touchdowns for sure. Uh, he is he is no he is Dude, the number like one the, throw. Are we like the old Texas Tech, where like quarterbacks just come in and throw like the old uh, Leech, like are we Washington program? Yeah, are we Washington yeah, are we State? Washington State? Yeah. yeah, maybe we are. Maybe I'd be. That's what Avi said, right? He he took a picture of Texas Tech's uh, like schedule from last year, the season before, where it was all shootouts like this. And he said, embrace your inner Texas Tech, because this is what we're going to be all year. Although I do believe we had a better defense. Um, I think we do have a better defense, but uh, that's up for debate. So Chad Hansen does that. He does his thing. Uh, Demetrius Robertson, despite all of this, like I tweeted this out, Demetrius Robertson had his first 100-yard reception game. Called it. Four four receptions, (laughs) 103 yards, and two touchdowns. I called it. You did call it. In writing. You did. It's it's there. It's there. We can screenshot it and put it up if you don't believe us. <laughs> um, and that's it, it's like it's, it was amazing. Trey Watson had two catches for 83 yards. Melquise Stowell had five receptions for 74. Melquise, by the way, I think all of us were in awe of his ability. Like his his little screen where he can run like and juke on the sideline. Oh Lord, have yeah. mercy on He's those defensive ends. Deshaun Jackson. He does. He has ability, the sh- yeah. he has the stutter steps. Um, I'm looking. I mean, take away Davis Webb's two interceptions, and his stat line reads like this: thirty-two completions on fifty-six attempts, four hundred seventy-eight yards, and five touchdowns. Well, yeah, right. Well, I mean, you take away the two two attempts then for the two 54 attempts yeah 54 attempts on 32 well yeah it looks great that looks amazing four sacks is surprising actually yeah it, that was surprising um he got beat i remember both of us you and i both he got beat by uh aaron cochran got beat badly on one of those sacks and i think that was on like one of the game like before the fumble it was before the the strip sack it was the uh yeah, it was on that drive where yeah. we had to call oh, the yeah, timeout, mm-hmm. and Aaron Cochran just got—he just—they just blew by him. Um, and I think the O line was gassed. Like realistically, I think they were. 
Yeah. Did they say it was like 130 on the field or something crazy? They yeah, it was 130 hot. degrees uh, on the field temperature uh, before game, before kickoff. And that's at 7 at night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I had a friend who's, uh, you, we were both with him, uh, a buddy of mine who goes to dentist school out in Phoenix, and he was telling us how when he was watching the game, we told him that. He's like, yeah, that's like normal. <laughs> it was normal. Like I, like every statistic. By the way, um, this was Cal's eighth highest yard total on offense ever in school history, and we lost. <laughs> like every statistical category, Cal. So if you if you told me that on the street, you yeah. just came up and said, "Hey, Andy, Cal's gonna put up their eighth highest yardage total, and they're gonna lose." My instant reaction to that would be, "Damn, <laughs> defense again." Yeah. But it really wasn't. It really wasn't. It wasn't the defense that blew this game. It was the, it was the turnover margin that mattered the most. Um, and it wasn't and you know, the defense that wasn't getting. I mean, they didn't get as many as they would have liked. I mean, yeah, they've, they've always said they want three. Three is the number that they want. Um, but they got one off a, an amazing interception by Darius Allensworth. Let, let me say that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, he needs a game ball. Yeah. He played great. Which, by the way, and we also figured this out too yesterday, is Darius Soundswell is only junior. We have him for one more year if well, if he stays. So, but, I mean, you look at the red zone chances, right? We were in the red zone three, three for three. Red zone scores versus chances. Like, we scored two touchdowns and we scored a field goal. Um, mm, that might be a little misleading, though. That, that might be. Because we had that one drive... Where Webb, you know, took that knee on that bobbled snap. Yeah, which should have been. Ugh. And then uh, th- we weren't quite in the red zone, but I swear we were within there 30 on that. Yeah. You know, you look at total offense, right? Total offense yards, average gain per play. Cal is 6.8. ASU was 5.7. Hmm. I mean. would have thought we would lose that? <laughs> we, the average per rush was 4.3 ASU was 3.3 they were the they were one of the leading rushing teams in the country going into this game and we our defense held them to 3.3 yards of carry as a team we held them to how many is that uh 164 yards of rushing offense total total yeah defense played great on especially against the run in particular I mean, Looney was everywhere. He was a madman. Uh, Wilson and Saffle off the edge got into the backfield multiple times. Multiple times. And I saw flashes of the San Diego State game. I saw flashes of the San Diego State game. I also saw flashes of the Hawaii game. Like, it was, we got into the backfield, but the quarterback just shifty and gets out of the way and rushes up for like five or seven yards. And yet... And yet we got them to, we got them to third down. How many third downs do they have? Uh, Seventeen times. Well, that was the big. That was the big stat that changed from first half to second half on the t- defensive side of the ball. First half, we were able to get them, like we were able to get a lot of third down stops. The second yeah. half, I think we only had two. Yeah. Yeah, they they converted seven of seventeen on third downs. We converted ten of twenty. We also were two for two from fourth down. 
That was a sweet little play to Hanson. Yes. And then uh, Warstall made that sweet diving catch. Oh, yeah. Hanson, of course, by the way, hands down easily the best wide receiver in college football. I mean, can we get that play out of the way first? That one-footed catch on the sideline? That was ridiculous. No, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any, doesn't make any <laughs> sense. The guy is falling out of bounds, and he catches the ball, and yet he has the, he has the lower body strength to basically flick his right foot. It was his right foot, right? To basically flick his right foot so that the tip of his foot scratches the grass before he goes out. And it's a catch. What? <laughs> uh, the body control, the ability, like it happens so fast. But at the same time, if you watch it in slow mo, you can you can distinctly see his hands and his eyes are on the ball. He knows he's he has to he has to catch the ball. But at the same time, he knows that the only way he's going to get that called in bounds is if he stretches and gets like his toe to kick up some of the surface on the grass, and he does that. I mean, it's wild. And he's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, that's that's the definitely the favorite moment. Favorite moment of the game is the two catches that he had. Both were absolutely ridiculous, but that one on the sideline was that was out of this world. He topped his one that he made against Texas. Yeah, and the Texas one could have been called as an incomplete. I mean, we we've rewatched it. He kind of bobbles it. It's all said and done, but kind of bobbles it as he goes goes out of bounds. But this one was just it was a surefire catch. I think for me, the bigger one was Demetrius's second touchdown catch in the back of the end zone to drag that that right foot before his left foot comes down. And to catch the ball <laughs> so solidly. Yeah. He's getting better every game. Like, that's not, it's not even, a qu- I mean, realistically, right, for Demetrius, game one against Hawaii, played the first snap, right? It was that deep ball to him, and then it was, he didn't play. The second game against um, San Diego State, he played. I mean, he scored the touchdown too, but it, it he wasn't like a a big part of the big part of the offensive scheme. Texas, yeah, he had like one or two. Right, he had that one play where it got us down to like the two yard line. Vic mm-hmm. pushed it in for mm-hmm. the touchdown, mm-hmm. where they called it for a fumble, but you know they overturned it. Um, and then he had a, I think he had like two more catches after that. And then this game, he exploded. Um, and you see, if you look at the progression. They're giving him more and more snaps. And that's also because Noah's hurt and he didn't get to play. So they needed Singleton and Robertson to step up at the, I believe, the X, right? If I'm recurring, or Z. Oh, God. These, like, the <laughs> the, the wide receiver, the, the depth chart stuff is weird. But, yes, I believe it's from the opposite side of Hanson. They needed someone to step right. up. And it, it was Robertson in this game. Um, and... Oh, I mean, him and Silva are going to be so fun to watch, not only this season, but for the next, like, two, three years. But, yeah, that was my favorite moment of the game. That Demetrius catch was, I was like, dang, he could do that? Like, it's not just that he was athletic. Like, it's he's got great body control, too. And yeah, it's hard to, hard to believe he's just a freshman. <laughs> he's 18. He's 18. All right, all right, Andy. Nightmare moments for you from this game? Um, there's like obvious ones, and less, and then there's a couple less obvious ones. What were your obvious ones? Um, 
the the second pick, the pick six, <laughs> the pick six. But honestly, after the first one, it just felt. I was like, ah, oh, wow, you like, know. I just lost all my steam. Yeah. Like it was, it was. That's. I was like, oh. and what we were saying was like, Cal's got the ball with a chance to win the game, but their offense has the ball, right? and then immediately. I, but I think the nightmare moment for me is a bigger. It's it's the same thing, but it's just more more like magnified. Okay, it's the fact that Davis Webb doesn't have the faith in. Are the rest of our wide receivers? VC was where was VC last? Targeted night? once, I believe. So the fact that he doesn't have the faith or isn't going through his progressions enough to look away from Chad Hansen is a terrifying. Um, it's a, it's a terrifying thing if we want to look forward and say if he doesn't have the faith to look at somebody else, um, then. What is going to happen when these other teams do the same thing? Like Kareem Moore is a great player, he so is. not every team is going to have a Kareem Moore. But at the same time, they'll have two guys that they can shadow Hanson, and there's going to be times he can beat them, and there's going to be times that he cannot. And we have to have another option for it. And it just didn't seem like we had that. So my nightmare moment is a nightmare moment from the game because it seemed like when it came down to it and the offense was stalling, Webb didn't have the faith in the other receivers. And as you... And I'll let you talk about what you saw when you were looking over that tape with Stovall and that play. Um, but that, to me, is a, it's just a bad sign of things to come. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I'll just talk about what I saw. I mean, I rewatched that second interception in pick six, I think about 10 times before I went to bed last night, thinking what could have... what. I felt like David's Webb. Like, I felt like I was sitting in bed, like, just rewatching that, like, thinking, what could I have done better? And knowing what I know of this offense and how it's supposed to be run and how Jared ran it, right? I mean, granted, it's Tony Franklin versus Jake Spavel, but the the basic uh, the tendencies and what you're supposed to do in the offense is all is all the same. The big thing for me was whenever you're in any type of play situation like this, it's you have options. Like your first read, I believe, in this play is the bubble screen. Was was that Chad Hansen bubble screen? That was the first read. Like this, this offense that we run is complicated enough where it and our quarterback is good enough where they give him. Here's your three reads: one, two, three. If the first one's not there, look at the second. If the second's not there, look at the third. If the third's not there, either throw the ball away or make make a play with your feet. Like it's and then it's like you know just freelance from there. I believe in this play. What happened was the first play was that was that screen pass. So he hikes the ball, looks to his right, sees the screen. If he had just, and we see this from a camera view, um, every single person, uh, basically, other than the other side cornerback, had bit on that screen. So the two guys that were already on Hanson, who was Orr and the the guy who got the pick six, who was... uh, I believe it was. Uh, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name so bad. Uh, Laiu Moakiola. Mo, Mo um, those guys were shadowing Hanson, and then the linebackers were already shifting to the right because Wave Davis Webb, Wavis Deb, <laughs> was already looking at Hanson on that bubble screen. Uh, but what you don't see. 
if you don't look at the play in slow-mo, is Melky Stovall has goes from, I think he was in the right slot, goes up and in uh, in that gap between the safeties and the linebackers, and he just hunkers down smack dab in the middle between the two safeties. And so all the linebackers, so it was a three linebacker, it was a, it was three linebackers, the middle and the edge um, had already shifted to where Hansen was going to come out of if he had gotten the ball on that screen. And there was one linebacker remaining, but he was already slowly creeping towards where Hansen was going to be. So if you timed it right, if Davis Webb looked at that, gave it one more second, and then just hop-stepped and then threw it right down the middle of the Stovall, everyone's momentum is going to the right. He just has to catch, turn over his right shoulder, and he has green grass to the end zone on that play. So what I'm wondering, and I'm going to wonder this forever, is, is, is to your point, right, is... Was he only looking for Hanson on that play? Because I'm, I am dead sure that play had more reads than just that one, and I'm ninety percent sure Davis Webb probably wants that pass back. Uh, but the fact that he probably saw what I saw, which was three three guys or four guys on a bubble screen with Hanson receiving and two blockers, which means even if he had gotten the ball. Yeah, it wasn't going anywhere. That's like a, that's, I mean, if we're lucky, like a three, four yard game, right? And this is, we need to get down the field. This was a, we, we need to score. Um, cause the score was what? I believe it was, uh, before the interception. 37 34. 37 34, right? Mm-hmm. We needed, and that was with 252, basically 252 left in the game. About three minutes left in the game. Easily march, march right on down there, score the, score the field goal to tie it and go in overtime or go for the touchdown. But regardless, yeah, that's how I saw the play develop. Um, and man, man, <laughs> man. All right, let's move. Let's move on. What, what do we need to improve going into the Utah game from what you saw today? <laughs> okay. Mine's very easy. Cause it's, Building off of my issues with what's happened in the last few games, which is um, the inability or I don't know what it is, but indecision or that the fact that we keep going away from the hot hand from the running back position. I thought it was very clear in the Texas game that Vic was the running back that was getting the yards. And it seems like we have a set play call or set offense for certain backs. Yeah. Calfani was the one who was running extremely well all game long. And we know we have to be balanced on the ground because otherwise we're going to throw picks in the same exact way that we saw Davis Webb throw picks because they're not going to respect the run. So we have to be balanced. If we're going to be balanced, let's feed the running back that's averaging seven yards of carry. What I would like to not see in the Utah game would be Trey Watson averaging seven yards of carry and only getting 10 carries. You know, like, and that's the theoretical if he were to average those seven yards. But Calfani, you know, 10, uh, 12 carries, 84 yards, seven yards of carry, looked incredible all night, was nowhere to be found in the fourth quarter. Was look, nowhere to be found even in the late third quarter. Looked it, down one more, too. And Trey, yeah. Trey was nine for 58, uh, 6.4. And But Vic had 11 for three and a half. And I'm a huge Vic fan. 
It just didn't seem like he was running that well that night, and I don't know why we felt like we had to go to that. Is he a better blocker? That he is. Like, he has, so is he has that what we, the mass, too. Is that what we gained? But were we that concerned with their pass rush? Albeit the last sack of the night pumps up their sack rate to four, but they only had three, really, in the game that were legitimate sacks, in my opinion. That Well, no, I mean, realistically, I mean, you could, you could say it's two, right? Because the one came off the Aaron Cochran, like, because one was the strip sack oh, and then at the, the very end. And the bobble. Yeah, and yeah. then one was the bobble. So, yeah, two. Realistically, awesome. two. Yeah. I mean, our O-line held them impeccably. So, in that case, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my big thing is I hope that when I watch this Utah game up in Colorado, I uh, <laughs> am not screaming at the TV because the running back that's averaging – Seven yards of carries on the sideline, and the running back that's averaging three point four is in the game at a crucial time. How about you? Uh, I want our pass rush to be exactly how I saw it today, yesterday, yesterday. ASU, yeah, yesterday. Um, the havoc that they wreaked, like a, they they pushed that the ASU O line back so far. They shed the blocks, and at least one of the D linemen got in the backfield basically on every play. If I, I mean, I might be thinking this maybe uh, delusions of grandeur, but it looked like we had at least one D lineman in the backfield every play, or at least was collapsing the pocket quick enough. If it wasn't for the fact that Wilkins is has a very quick trigger to just start running down the field, those we could have had easily five plus sacks in this game, in my opinion. Um, but our D-line guys are starting to develop real well. Saffle is becoming a force on that one side, uh, and they're no longer shifting the O-line protection to Devontae. Like, I feel like that's why Devontae has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of criticism is because he hasn't been what we expected him to be, but that's also because he's basically was the only force on the D-line getting into the backfield where they had to worry about him. So they would shift two guys there, and it would be we'd leave one-on-one on the other side, and we wouldn't be able to beat him. Now Looney takes up two guys in the middle, and yet he still gets into the backfield. McCarry had some amazing pushes. I mean, you were like, who's that guy? You know, like, who's 97 in the backfield getting that sack? McCarry. Like it. And then, of course, Saffle on the other end, and then, you know, developing freshman Evan Weaver had a few pushbacks as well. So, and then you, if you get that, you know, we saw it with the Allensworth uh, interception. We saw it with the Chibuzo interception um, last week. We saw it with Marlishon potentially getting two last week as well. If we get pressure on the quarterback, our safeties are good enough to make plays. Our sa- our sa- uh, not just our safeties, but our, our corners as well and our nickel. Like our secondary is good enough to make plays on the ball. I think we're athletic and fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get that. We'll create the turnovers. We're not going to get create. We're not creating turnovers by fumbles. Like we're not. We're not heavy or like you know. I think I don't think we're that. We're not that type of turnover defense. But in terms of where we'll get our turnovers, we get the pass rush and our guys jump the routes and make those plays. Um, and we've seen it done. They can get it done. And that's the only thing I want to see against Utah. Because I mean, I guess this is a good segue to go into Utah because. Utah is what uh, now the 18th number 18 team in the country, both in the AP and in the coaches' poll. Um, quarterback Troy Williams is going to be a handful. 
Um, is he mobile? He is. <laughs> he is. Damn it. Uh, but he only has 900. He only has 900 uh, yards on the season in terms of passing. Uh, rushing touchdowns, the entire team has only six. And the entire offense on passing, I believe, only has nine, um, if, I, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, Utah, but Utah's 4-1, and one, or 4-0. Oh. They're 1-0 oh in Pac-12 play. They just beat SC this past, uh, this past week. I think, believe it was a Thursday night or Friday night game. So I look at this, and I say, this is exactly what we need. He's not as... if. Judging on the tape, like he's not as shifty as we've seen quarterbacks. Like he's no, he's no swoops, right? He's no Woolsey. Like Woolsey was quick on his, he's pretty quick on his feet, um, and he's definitely not as good as Wilkins on his feet. But he can't. He has a better arm than any of those guys that we've played. He has a cannon for an arm. It's just he's inexperienced. So what you do is you get pressure on him and you force him to beat you with the throws. And that's 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 also under well, hello. We're getting a lot of feedback. Um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So, but we're getting feedback. Um There it is. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look at that and I say, we get, we get a pass rush going and we force him to beat us through the air. Then our DBs can make the plays. We give, I think that's the only way this defense is going to be productive. And the only way this defense wins is if we give our DBs a shot to get the ball back for us. Um, and that's judging from the last four games. Like we're not going to. We're not going to hold them to like three, third and eight every time. Uh, we're not going to force them to get three and out on their first, like on their first four downs. Our defense is just not made to do that as of right now. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it did. We did do that well in, in the, the first uh, quarter, in the first half of the issue game. Yeah, and we did that pretty well in the like throughout sporadically throughout the Texas game too. Um, yeah. Um, that's that's my take on on that. What about you? I haven't looked at enough Utah tape to actually feel comfortable making a take on it. I think, I mean, as a casual observer, I think that they were underwhelming at best yeah. on the offensive side of the ball so far this year. So yeah. I agree. Like I think if the defense can have a summer perform, the offense cannot get away with leaving points on the board. Or leaving, sorry, uh, like not, yeah. Not completing drives. I felt like they had more than their fair share of opportunities and they squandered them to not just be up 14 at half, but to be up 17 or to be up 24. Even you can make a case we should have been up 31. Um, And really put the game, like we've never been good at really taking a lead and then just Keeping keeping it end to end. Even last year against, was it Oregon State? Did we play and didn't we... Was it last year against Oregon State? No, because that was Gary Anderson's. I can't remember. I think that year we did, but the year before, in 2014, when we finally beat Oregon State in Corvallis, like we got the lead and then all of a sudden blew it in the third quarter and then reestablished it and then came away with the win. Um, 
And that's just a. For, there's a not there's a expletive in here. Yes. That's just a blank way to win football games. Like it's yeah. just not one that inspires a lot of faith in your team. And it would be nice to be able to put together an end-to-end performance. We just don't have a wire-to-wire win. So that's what I want. I don't think it's going to come against Utah, but uh, it could. It could. Yeah, it could. I just think. I think what you're saying is perfectly right. I mean, the it's funny that we can look at it this way, but it kind of seems like every game is an experienced stepping stone for this team. And we kind of expect the entire football team to come together after just one game. But remember what we said, right? What, what did we remember what we said after the Hawaii game? We said we don't have a pass rush, right? And then what happened in the San Diego State game? We had a pass rush. And then what did we see after San Diego State game as well? We have no run defense. But then what happens against Texas? Like our run defense, terrible. I mean, terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. But we did see glimmers of hope, right? We, there were moments where you and I were in the booth and we're like, that was a great stop. Yeah. Like we plugged the holes properly and we got them to go three. Now, granted, they ran for like 400 yards, but, but that's not the point. Like we, we saw little moments where if we can keep that consistency up, it was possible. Like we had the bodies to do it. And then in this game, we saw it most definitely. We, we, ASU was not able to run on us at will. Zero. I mean, we did that without blitzing. So that's even more incredible. And then now the issue after the ASU game was our offense just needs to keep the gas pedal floored. And we need to just – and if the defense does what we expect them to do and just gets us a couple of, couple of turnovers or like maybe two or three stops and we capitalize on those and we jump out to a 21 or 28-point lead, we're fine, Right. By that time, it'll be like the the start of the fourth or like towards the end of the fourth. Like it's just time is not on their side, right? And any team that's forced to play under the crunch of time is prone to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Um, so if we do that, then maybe this is the game where it all comes together. And that's that's also assuming <laughs> that we don't have any setbacks on any other side that we've taken that step forward with, right? Um, so that's my hope for this Utah game is maybe we can put it all together or at least take one more step forward with a win. We need the win. We need the win. Um, but two and two going into Utah, Oregon state with, and then a bye. let's say we end the first six games four and two. Is that really that bad? No, it'd be fantastic. It'd be fantastic. Because, Even if, because Oregon's down, because USC is down because USC, UCLA doesn't look great. Yeah. Um, then we'd be in a really good spot. Other than Stanford, which I hate saying, but we still have a shot to win the Pac-12. Like it's it's open to anyone. Like no, I don't think any team from the Pac-12, unless unless Stanford goes undefeated, is making the playoffs. Yeah, from and, our, and from they this be, they're going to Washington this next week. Exactly. That's gonna be well. That's gonna be a fun game to watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still up for grabs. It's anyone's game. All right, let's do a little recap of some of the other Pac-12 games uh, this past week. Um, just I'll read you the scores. Just tell me if you were if you got to see any of it or any one-liners of what you thought about the game. <laughs> All right, Friday. Yeah, I know you didn't watch a lot of them, but <laughs> Friday, September twenty-third, USC goes to number twenty-four, Utah. Utah wins thirty-one twenty-seven. I did watch some of this game, and I didn't see the comeback though. No, Justin Davis for USC, ten carries, one hundred twenty-six yards, and one touchdown. 
Troy Williams for Utah, 21 on 30, 21 completions on 34 attempts, 270 yards and two touchdowns. So solid. Yep. All right. Uh, next one. I love how there's not a lot of games we have to go over now because it's into conference play and everyone's playing each other. <laughs> Uh, Saturday, number seven, Stanford went to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA. Stanford wins twenty-two to thirteen. We saw that. We did. Oh, what can you say? UCLA was UCLA. Uh, just don't don't get it. They had what fifty? <laughs> they just had, don't get it. They had thirty seconds to get downfield. Right? Was it thirty seconds or like thirty-eight or something like that? Right after the the one-footed touchdown grab his first that guy's first reception of the of the game and rosen missed that guy by a foot yeah on that one pass yep and he was wide open mm-hmm. for the touchdown run mm-hmm. yeah um and then uh mccaffrey of course 26 carries 138 yards you know i saw a stat about mccaffrey i don't know did you see it too about the touchdowns on the way games post it yep 13 oh, 13 true away games and i think they say it's true away games because i don't think their their uh, neutral field doesn't neutral count. field doesn't count. True away games. McCaffrey has not scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, on any away field. I think he might break that against us. This year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know who Stanford's playing next week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Washington. But, oh, Washington. Maybe he does it Washington. Unless it's at home. Is they going no, to Washington? They're going to Washington. They're going to Washington. All right. Maybe he can do it. Maybe he can do it. Um, and then, of course, overtime, we saw a little bit of this. Uh, number nine, Washington at Arizona. They squeak out the win 35-28. Pretty wild because Arizona has not looked good this year. A new Solomon Washington. was benched for this so game, good. by the way. In the middle of it? No, it did not start from the get-go. Wow. Yeah. So it was Brandon Dawkins for Arizona. 19 passes uh, completed on 31 attempts, 167 yards, and a touchdown. Mm. Yeah. I mean, oh, I don't know what else to say. Washington's still undefeated, and they squeak out these types of wins. I think any team that needs to go undefeated has to go through one of these types of wins early on in the season. This just shows their grit for the rest of the year. Like, if a game gets close, they're like, "We're not letting this happen. We're not. We're not doing what we already did once." And I think that's how they they manage. Agreed. And Peterson's one hell of a coach, by the way. Yeah, yes. Uh, next one. Oregon State goes. Uh, Boise State visits Oregon State. Boise State wins thirty-eight twenty-four. I gotta give Oregon State some credit. Their scores this year have looked a lot better than last year. They've made a they've made a step. You know what? I actually thought Oregon State might pull off the comeback. I legit thought. You know, it was. I watched till the end of the like midway through the second, and at the end of the first quarter, it was fourteen seven. I was like, okay, this isn't bad. This isn't bad until they gave up seventeen points in the second quarter. But it was one of those where I was like, okay. Yeah, OSU doesn't look half as bad as I expected them to. Um, and that's probably because of Gary Anderson. <laughs> who's yeah, he's a good coach. He's a good coach. All right, uh, the last one. Colorado goes into Autzen to play Oregon and wins 41-38. Oh, Lord. Chalk that up on the board. Rob did not expect to say that this year. Nope. I did not expect to say Colorado beats Oregon in Oregon. Um. The one-handed catch for the touchdown, for the go-ahead touchdown that Colorado scored. Oh, Lord. I That might be the catch of the season I've seen so far. Like, it was one-footed, one-handed, and the ball was, going, ball was on the outside. Right? You see it in the picture right here. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's on the left. It's at the very left of the goal line or goal of the end zone. 
and it's one-footed with his right hand. Crazy. It's insane. Insane. Madness. Um, but, yeah. I mean, Coach McIntyre, after the game, when he's doing the post-game thing, was crying. Um, and if, if any team in the Pac-12 deserves that type of win, other than us, <laughs> it's Colorado. Uh, they've strug- those fans have struggled way far too long. Like they can, with Cepho going out and them having to start someone uh, a freshman quarterback um, halfway through the game. Like it's well deserved. It's well deserved. And Oregon, by the way, oh my God, their defense is in shambles. Recruiting not recruiting on defense has not helped them. Um, losing DeForest Buckner, losing. Um, what was the other defensive end that they lost two years ago to the Niners? Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead. Um, yeah. After that, they have not recouped like any other defensive talent. So, hey, you know, Les Miles, head coach of Oregon, has a good ring to it. Right? That's If if Helfrick get, does get fired, that a possibility of happening. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's run through this week's game, uh, Pac-12 games uh, to... To wrap up, uh, let me, I'll just read you the games. Tell me if you're interested, if you're not, or what you're interested in. All right. Friday, September 30th on ESPN. Yep. Uh, Stanford against at Washington, 6 p.m. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one, Saturday, October 1st, 11.30 a.m. on Pac-12 Network, Oregon State at Colorado. <laughs> Pass still. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, Oregon, Oregon State, yeah, I was rooting for you. Colorado, yeah, great win at Oregon, but I'm not watching this game. All right. Uh, and then, of course, us, uh, 3 p.m. on Pac-12 Network, number 18, Utah at California. Love it. Yeah, I think we're watching. Um, and then 5.30 p.m. on Fox, Arizona State at SC. If SC loses this, Helton's gone. Right? They can't start. They can't start one and four. Zero and three in the Pac-12 too. Oh, oh that's right. Because they they played uh, Stanford a week before everyone else did. Right. Yeah. No, that's not happening. By the way, um, I forgot to mention this. Interim head coach at LSU, Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought he was a good coach, and he's a dynamic recruiter. Can you imagine like all of SC's like? Donors, athletics department, so on and so forth. If Ed Orgeron ends up having a better record at LSU than Helton does at SC this year. (laughs) In the SEC, by the way, mind you, compared to the Pac-12, that's not that great this year. (laughs) And then uh, 6.30 uh, on Pac-12 Network, Oregon at Washington State. I kind of want to watch it. But I think Washington State got the better of Oregon last year, so it has lost a little bit of its luster. Luke Falk is not throwing the ball as well as I expected him to. Uh, only 1,124 yards and 11 touchdowns compared to Davis Webb, who has 1,837 yards and 18 touchdowns. So Davis Webb has so many more yards than anybody else <laughs> on this list. Uh, all right, and then the last one of the, last one of the night, uh, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN, Arizona at UCLA. If UCLA loses, then Mora goes on the hot seat. And then we're really talking about an interesting year in the Pac-12. We're, is it interesting year or is it interesting offseason? Interesting both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that wraps it up for all the football stuff. Um, yeah, let us know if you're interested in any of the games. Uh, we're more than happy to chat. 
Oh, yep, that is my dog barking. Yep. Let's move on to Let, basketball. Let's move on to some basketball talk. Um, Ira Lee, my man, Ira Lee, has Ross's favorite player. My, my favorite player who has not even come to Cal yet, who hasn't even decided on what school he's going to. Um, he has listed his top three uh, with Cal alongside Arizona and Oregon. We are in the mix, folks. Never count out Conzo. I thought it was cool that he put up all those jerseys. Yeah, and that was that was kind of sad. That was a cool little, little neat neat thing to do. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, if you check his Twitter account, I um, I think it's Ira Man does it. That's what his Twitter handle is. Uh, but true, true fan, true fan. Um, <laughs> it was just so unique. I've never heard Ira Man does it. Anyways, um, he has it pinned where it's a picture of all the schools he's. Um, contemplating the three schools, and it's just pictures of him photoshopped with like jer- the jerseys on. Um, so yeah, that was a little neat touch. Uh, and then of course uh, the team had a photo shoot this past week. I think just to prep for the upcoming season, um, probably take all those pictures for profile pictures, along with like this the get your season ticket stuff, along with um, like the posters that they're going to give away to to fans when they come to Haas. But yeah, I mean, I look at that, and I, I looked at the photos, and you know, the, they're having a fun time. Uh, everyone's seeing Sam Singer and all those guys being uh, seniors. Very weird, very weird. Uh, not having Jordan Matthews among them is kind of sad. When does the season start? Uh, I believe in November is when the season begins. When is preseason, or when do they start doing pra- holding practices? Uh, so right now, I believe NCA rules uh, dictate that you can only practice two hours a week. Okay. As of right now, but uh, I think that changes once it gets into like the preseason, which I'm assuming is probably like mid to late October. Uh, the first Cal basketball game is November 11th, 7 p.m. Cal against South Dakota State. That's right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's in Berkeley. I really want football to be good enough where I don't have to, like, totally check into basketball right away. Yeah. But I felt like last year, we, was like, <laughs> we lost all the California schools and we're like, oh, at least basketball season's here. Yeah. And we were so we uh, were good. We were awesome. We were fun. We did not lose a home game. Undefeated at home. Amazing. Amazing. Still amazes me how we did that. Uh, but yeah, basketball starts up in a little bit. Um, they do travel. They do play San Diego State this year in Sacramento. Nice. I can lose another bet. Yeah, and I do believe that. You know what? I'm, I'm contemplating whether to make the trip up there just because Avi has said, or what our editor has said, uh, the Amtrak station is literally right next to the stadium. It's also right next to my house. Yeah. So taking one All from right. there to. To Sacramento, getting off, watching the game, coming back. It's the new. It's the new Sacramento Stadium. Yes. Oh, nice. It might be worth taking a trip. It might be worth going up just for the Warriors game too, because you know the tickets down here are going to be so expensive. Uh, yeah. Although, although it might not make much of a difference, because I'm pretty sure all the Warriors fans are going to travel up there to watch their team because they think yep. it's going to be cheaper too. Yeah. I think everyone's going to. So at least we get to see the new stadium if you do go up there for the Cal game. True. My buddy just snapped me today a bunch of pictures from it, a season ticket holder event. He has season tickets to the Kings. True fan. True fan. True fan. <laughs> True fan. I would I would buy season tickets to my beloved Lakers if, one, I lived in the area, and, two, they weren't as expensive as they are. Still? Yes. 
I think it's just one of those teams where it's like the New York, like the Knicks or the the even the like the the Brooklyn Nets um, and the Bulls. Like it's or like it's even like San Antonio. Like it's ball. it's just one of those teams where it's there. It's always going to be filled to a certain extent. But yeah, that wraps it up for talk for us. Uh, let me just run through the Facebook page and see if we got any questions for the day. I did put up a post uh, about a couple hours ago, seeing if anyone had questions for us. Uh, but I'm assuming highly unlikely. <laughs> it's uh, it's possible, but not probable. Ooh, two comments. Um, all right, uh, Darren Cam asks, "Can you kidnap Les Miles and convince him to come coach?" We've already discussed that. I don't think I don't think we need to go further into detail, but. None of us will be doing anything illegal. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I just we I, we need to get that out there. Like <laughs> we will not be doing anything of this illegal sort. Uh, the next one, uh, Kevin Carlson asks us, uh, "Why do bad things happen to good Bears fans?" That's just how the cookie crumbles, my friend. I mean, if that, that's, no, that's what we were talking about last night, right? Yeah, the ball going off the upright on that field goal, and we're like, <laughs> "Why does this happen to the Devils?" Yeah, you'd think that. Of all, like, yeah. We Which, were, by the way, if you didn't watch the game, one of their field goals hit the upright and then went in. It didn't bounce out; it went in to put them in the lead. Yes, and we just were puzzled. <laughs> we're puzzled. Why are the Bears the ones that are cursed? It's weird, right? It's we, we're we're blessed by uh, Lil B, the base god. Yeah, what? I, that was so, so I had, excited about that. So I had this talk. I had this talk with an ASU buddy of mine, uh, Kalen, who writes for House of Sparky, yesterday. Uh, he tweeted at um, Lil B, the base god, tweet saying, like, you know, Cal Berkeley is blessed. And then he, he said something, and I said, you know, being blessed doesn't necessarily mean you'll keep winning. Being cursed means you'll be constantly losing. I wouldn't test that. And he goes, Agreed. Yeah, you're right. Agreed. <laughs> Don't right? Let's, into those let's, let's get that clear here. If you're cursed, you're not winning. But if you're blessed, that doesn't mean you're going to keep winning. Like, it's not, it's not. You can be just, blessed in different ways. Yeah, yeah. There's a variety of blessings <laughs> that he may be giving us that we don't particularly see right now. We don't. We don't. Maybe we'll see that like a year from now. It'll be like a revelation to us. We got like top five recruiting class, <laughs> all linebackers and D linemen out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I love it. Sonny's quote today, I think, um, said the opponents that we've faced this year are all good. They're all somewhat ranked. And if we had completed a couple more plays, competed a little harder on some snaps, we would probably rank pretty high. And I looked at that and I said, all right, all right, let's just negate the Hawaii win. Like, let's just say like that just happened how it happened, right? Let's say we, sh- we lowered the point differential in the Texas game, right? And we still got the win. Let's say we beat San Diego State with that comeback. And then let's say we beat ASU this week. Yeah, we would have Could made. we say top 15? No. I think we would. No, not with our defense. Not right, with our but defense. you'd be 4 you'd be no. You would have beaten number 11 Texas. You would, you're, The team you played in San Diego State would be like 24-25. Yeah, and Arizona State was 3-0? Yeah. 3-0 going into this game, and they had... You know, if we were to rank them in the AP, they would have been like twenty-eight or something. Like that. This is a dangerous game, Rob. It is. It is. <laughs> this is a dangerous. It is. Game. But I'm saying, is is what Sonny said right? Like, would we be a high-ranked team? Do you think if we had beaten all four? 
I mean, we had a shot to beat all four, realistically, right? We weren't <laughs> we weren't blown out in two. Like it wasn't like a did, it was did a Arizona no show. State get ranked after this? Are they ranked now? Um, I believe that they are, uh, but I will double check before we close out the pod today. Um, let me the rankings. Uh, Arizona State is not. They're just outside. So Georgia is 25. Arizona other receiving votes, Arizona State 135. That's on the AP. So there you have it. So I think we might be. I think if you had beaten all of them, that's three ranked teams that you played and won. I think that's deserve and you're undefeated. I think that's deserving of a top 15 spot. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, well, that wraps it up for us. Um, we will be back here next week after hopefully what what would be a win against Utah. Unfortunately, Andy will not be here, uh, but we will have someone else on the pod to talk. Uh, we have also scheduled uh, fantasy football guru on NFL Network, James Coe, to come on the show during our bye week. So he is all down for that. So we'll talk. Should we talk to him? About, I don't know if we should talk to him about fantasy football. I mean, that's his job. Uh, but we'll talk some Cal football in the NFL. We'll talk Cal football. Um, and we'll talk to him about whatever he feels like talking about, realistically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's in the near future. So just uh, stay tuned for that. Um, also, Nams and Scott's pod with a little bit more in-depth about football, the X's and O's, uh, goes live on Tuesday. So stay tuned for that as well. So use use us to listen to on your commutes and lo- use theirs to listen uh, when you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> so you have a little more anger angst um, and direct all uh, direct all of your like mean things and anger tweets about Cal football to to their pod, please. <laughs> You know what? We we'll keep it positive. We'll keep it positive here for now. Yeah, yeah. For now, just just so we're the positive pod, and they get a little bit of negativity, and then we even out. We're just neutral. Yeah, neutral. It's a good balance. Yeah, it's a good balance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us uh, here. Uh, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it. Why you tell the story? Why you tell the whole damn world? This is bad.